And I want you, there's a reason why I want you to underline that. And he was taken up. I want you to underline that. Okay, he was taken up. So he, the, he spoke these things. They watched and he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. Okay, this is a very key verse. I'm going to go somewhere with this. Y'all with me right there on that nine, verse 9? Let's look at it again. When he had spoken these things, they, while they, what? Watched. He was taken, what? Up. Out of, and a cloud received him out of their sight. So, here we go. He's speaking to them. He's taken up as they watched. And he is gone out of their sight. So, he disappears. Okay? So I want to talk tonight, haven't talked about it for a whole month, about the blessed hope. To continue to remind you, I feel like the Lord wants me to preach at least once a month, every month, to remind us Jesus can come back at any moment. Jesus is coming soon for his church, amen? Jesus is coming back for us. We don't know the day, Matthew 24 says, we don't know the hour, but we know he's coming soon. He said, as in the days of Noah, these things would begin to happen. He said, one would be in the field, two, sorry, two would be in the field, one would be taken, the other one would be left. Two would be in a bed, one would be taken, one would be left. Two would be working at the mill, meaning just doing, going at their everyday business, one would be taken, one would be left, amen? There's a day coming, church, and we cannot get busy, we cannot get tired, we cannot get deceived, we cannot get pulled away by other things, Jesus Christ is coming soon, and it could be tonight, it could be tomorrow, it could be in a week, amen, we don't know when he's coming, but he's coming, amen, he's coming for his church, how many are ready, watching, and waiting, and want to go, how many can say, I'm good if he comes right now, amen, I'm ready, but he wants us to stay ready, last month I preached a message on being ready like a good soldier, okay, but I want you to see something here. And I actually wasn't even going to focus this much on this verse. But the Holy Spirit's telling me to stop here for a second. Okay? This wasn't even in the plan. I like when he does that. So he had spoken these things. Told them what to do. And while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. When Jesus comes back for his church, we're going to do exactly what happened to him. We're going to be taken up. And we're going to disappear out of people's sight. Okay? And this is one of the reasons we believe in this church, not just because it's something we believe, but we believe biblically that the Bible says that Jesus is going to come back for his church before the tribulation begins. That's why we're going to disappear. The difference in that is, is when people quote that verse in Revelation and also in Matthew 4 that says, every eye shall see him. The Bible tells us here that we're going to see him as we go up into the air and we're going to disappear. The second part, when the church comes back with Jesus Christ, every eye is going to see that. And they're not going to see us going up. They're going to see us coming down. Okay? How many see that difference? And so Jesus went up, and he didn't come right back down. He didn't, co he didn't go up and then float there in the air and then, and, then, and then come back down. He went up and he disappeared. That's the picture of the church. We're going to go up, and we're going to disappear. And then the tribulation is going to begin. And then we're going to come back later with Jesus. And every eye shall see him, even those, the Bible says, that pierced him. Okay, how many see that difference? So we see right here in Acts 9, he says, these things taken up while he spoke, and they received them out of their sight in the cloud. Now, let, now let's go look at a couple more verses. But Tim, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went 
up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, watch this, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Amen. Father, just for the next few minutes on this Wednesday night, anoint your word, anoint this, these ears, Father, to hear. And God, just comfort us with these words, Lord, that we are looking tonight for the blessed hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Four ways tonight to keep the blessed hope. Now, if you're wondering why I'm calling it the blessed hope, I'm glad you asked. Go to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Small chapter, getting near the end of the Bible. Get it to First and Second Timothy. Then you're going to see Titus right after that. First and Second Timothy. If you can find First and Second Timothy, you'll find Titus. If you find Hebrews, you've gone too far. It's between First and Second Timothy and Hebrews. Small chapter called Titus. And I want to look at a few things here tonight. So if you're taking notes, here's the title: Four Ways to Keep the Blessed Hope Alive Within Us. I know that's kind of it's kind of long, but four ways to keep the blessed hope alive within us we need to keep that alive can you say amen we need to keep that fire inside of us that's watching all the time watching and i got it up on the screen here so that you can see that verse that we're going to read and you can keep remembering what we're talking about four ways to keep the blessed hope within us how many are there let's start off in verse 11 chapter 2 of verse 11 and i'm going to break some things down tonight it says for the grace of god that brings salvation has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness i want you to underline that i want you to underline a few more things here because these are going to be some of the points that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present age now i'm going to read on and we're going to come back and break this down a little bit looking here we go looking for what for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great god and savior jesus christ as we read those verses it should just something should excite us tonight amen who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people that's you and me we are god's special people amen zealous for good works and he says look this look what look what jesus said speak these things underline that speak these things and i forgot to tell you in 13 underline looking so i asked you to underline denying ungodliness in 11 looking in 13 speak these things in 15 exhort and rebuke with all authority and let no one despise you underline that let no one despise you and we're going to go back and see this tonight for just a moment so let's go back and look at number one the first thing we got to do as we look, talk about the blessed hope is we have to continually every day every week every month be what looking looking for the return of jesus christ now this doesn't mean we hang out in a mountain or don't go to work or don't live life it means while we're living life we're looking 
Okay, we know that a lot of people have stopped everything and, 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 and been waiting and watching, and that's not what God calls to do. As a matter of fact, the Bible says to occupy until he comes. And so we have to do life, but as we do life, we don't let life get us so busy that we stop looking for the Lord. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything like that, but I just want you to ask yourself tonight, when was the last time you thought about Jesus coming back? Maybe it was today. Maybe it was yesterday. Maybe it was a week ago. Hopefully, because of how much we talk about it, it hasn't been long. Hopefully, it's something that's been on your mind. Amen? I believe that around the world, there's a lot of, unfortunately, people who might not have ever even, like we said Sunday night about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there might be people who've never even heard of the return of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's the greatest event that's ever going to happen in the world outside of him coming to die for us, and many people aren't even looking for it. If he tells us to look for it, how many know it means he's coming? There's a reason he's telling us to look. He wouldn't be saying looking for the blessed hope if he wasn't going to be the blessed hope. Jesus is not messing with us. He's not playing games with us. He's not trying to pull strings with us. If he said look for him, it's because he's coming. Amen? How many believe that tonight? So number one is we're looking for Jesus. The Bible teaches so clearly as we read there in Acts, as we see in Matthew, as we see in Luke, as we see in Revelation, as we see in 2 Timothy, as we see in Titus, that he wants us to be looking on a daily basis for him. Saying today could be the day. Living my life, which will lead us into number two here in a second, living my life every day looking for Jesus and understanding that he's not going to come and, 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 and say, hey, I'm coming. He's going to come unexpected. There's an example in the Bible that says if someone knew that their house was going to be broken into, that doesn't mean that Jesus is breaking into our house. It just means the unexpectedness and that you should have everything in order and you should be watching. And your life should be a life of looking for Jesus. How many know when you're looking for Jesus and you're watching for his return, it causes us to do number two, which is live a life of denying worldliness. Okay, if we're looking for the Lord, if I know in my spirit, not in fear, but in love and in adoration and excitement that Jesus is coming back for me, I'm looking and I'm living a life that's pleasing when he shows up. It's kind of like when you have some guests that are coming to, to visit. They let you know they're coming. You don't know what time exactly. They're coming in from out of town. And today, of course, we have cell phones and we have ways to be advised them 30 minutes out or whatever. But before that existed, you just kind of had to have everything ready. You just kind of had to have food ready and you had to have the house clean and you had to have everything ready and they'd show up at any moment and you wanted it to be ready. Our lives should be that way because Jesus is not going to call us on the cell phone and tell us, I'm coming. He's just going to come. And he wants us to be living a life, okay, not of perfection because we're not perfect, but living a life of denying ungodliness. That's number two, denying ungodliness. And we see that right there in verse 13. Sorry, in verse 11. Denying ungodliness and what? Worldly lusts. And that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly, in the present age when should we live godly every day how should we live godly like christ 
every day amen we we talked recently and been talking about how important it is to make sure that we love the lord our god with all our heart all our soul all our mind and all our strength and love our neighbors ourselves. and in, in those two things we are fulfilling the law all all the prophets and the law hang on that that we would love each other and that we would love God with everything that we have and everything that we are. Amen. So, so number two, living a life of denying ungodliness is a motivation. Okay. It's a motivation to us that says, I got to stay ready. I got to stay alert. And I think what's sad is sometimes we can turn, we could change in a, a, a moment of pleasure. A relationship, a situation, a fall, a, a, a desire. We could change that in for something that's so short and so short-lived for not being ready for Jesus to come back. Because the Bible says he's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. Amen. That means that they're not that they're perfect, but that they're keeping their lives ready. Now, how many are still with me tonight? If he's teaching us to deny ungodliness, that means that we can do it. God never asks us to do something we can't do. If he's teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and live soberly, it means that he's asking us for a reason. Because he doesn't want us to be caught off guard. He doesn't want us to not be ready when he comes back. He says, behold, I come quickly. And so some might say, man, pastor, we're in 2016, and they've been preaching that for 2,000 years. What's quick about that? When he comes, it will be quickly. Okay? It might not be quick to us as far as how long we've waited, but in that moment when it happens, what does 1 Thessalonians say? In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall all be changed. It's just like that, just like that, just boom. Just like an earthquake happens. Just like a tornado comes through. Just like a storm hits, it's just boom. Just like an accident happens. How many have ever seen those movies or a, or a TV show and all of a sudden part of the movie or TV show is an accident. It's like, bam, like and God's not dead. Unexpected, out of nowhere. That's how Jesus is going to come. And he wants us to be living every day, not in fear, but in denying ungodliness. Here's another verse for you. 1 John chapter 3. Go over there for a second. I want you to see this. 1 John chapter 3 and look at a couple things in 1 John as we're on number 2. Denying ungodliness. Four ways to keep the blessed hope within us. And as you're getting there, how many know that the scriptures teach us, and we, we've even looked at this quite a bit lately, that um, this is the day that we're living in, that people are not ready. This is the, this is the, the Bible said that in the last days, and that means in the days close to his return, that people would be loving other things. They would be lovers of themselves, Timothy says. They would be uh, greedy. They would be, and we, re, and we read some of those verses in the last few weeks, they would be doing things that are not characteristic of a Christian. And, and, and the attitude is, well, he's tearing. And, and we have so many biblical examples in the Bible that tell us that. You know, if, they, if they'd have taken Noah serious, they'd have got on the boat. But they didn't take him serious. And if anybody's here for the first time or never heard me preach on, on the rapture of the church and the blessed hope, the, the, what you've got to understand is the, 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 the reign of Noah is just like the rapture. Because when you look at the story of Noah and you see that the flood came and took everybody away and only Noah and his sons and daughters were saved, it was because they had never seen rain. 
Okay, maybe you're here and you don't remember that. We've never seen a rapture. There's never been one worldwide. We've seen Enoch get raptured. We saw Elijah get raptured. We, 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 in a sense, very strong sense, saw Jesus get raptured. But we've never seen a world rapture. And so we don't understand that. So when you tell somebody on this earth, hey, Jesus is coming back for the church and he's going to take us away and we're going to disappear from the earth, that sounds like Twilight Zone. That sounds like really weird, right? But it's because we've never had one. And you've got to understand that it was the same way in the days of Noah. When they're talking about a flood and Noah's telling everybody, hey, I'm building a boat because it's going to flood, they'd never seen rain. So they're like, you're crazy. What do you mean rain? What's the boat for? And they didn't get it. It's the same thing today. We have a world who doesn't believe that Jesus Christ is going to come back again. And here we are living in the scriptures where Jesus said, and Timothy said, and Paul said, and all these verses say, it's going to be like this. People are going to be too busy. People are going to be too caught up. Listen, people backsliding, people going back to their old ways, people not taking serious the things of God. And we've talked about it before, and that's not the direction of this message. That's a whole nother message. You don't want to be here, and you don't want to be left behind. You better keep your heart right, amen? You better keep your spirit alive so you can go in the rapture and not be here for the judgment of God on this earth. There's not one person in Sodom and Gomorrah or in that flood that wouldn't have gotten a, a second chance and jumped on the boat. But they didn't pay attention. Lot's wife looked back. Demas, we see in the book of Timothy, says he, says he left the gospel because what? He loved this world. Too many Christians love the world more than they love God. So are you there in 1 John? Chapter 3, here's another thing about denying ungodliness. Verse 2, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says, Beloved, look how he says that in love. He says, he says, Beloved, meaning I love you. Listen, I'm saying this in love. We are children of God. How many know we're children of God tonight? And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. We, we're, we're living in a mystery because we only know this life. We only know this earth. We only know this body. How many of you thought a thousand times, what's it going to be like? How's it going to be? All of us, because that's human nature. And the Bible tells us we don't know. We don't know exactly. He gives us things. We don't know exactly what's going to happen, exactly how it's going to happen. It's hard for us to imagine because we've never seen rain, so to speak. We've never seen it happen. And he says, it, we know when he's revealed, that's in his return, we shall be like him. That's powerful. We shall be like him for what? We shall see him as he is. Okay, so we will be like him and we will see him as he is. And then he says, here's the, here's the but and the if. If you want to see him like he is, here's what you got to do. Look at the following sentence. And verse, everyone who has this hope Talking about the blessed hope. In him does what? Purifies himself. Okay? This is why we every service, every week, every day are always talking about the personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We talked last Wednesday about, I think, or the Wednesday before, about religion versus relationship. 
This is where we must have a relationship with Jesus. And you personally and I personally have to take this serious and say, I I want all my family to go. I want all my friends to go. But I've got to work out my salvation, myself with the Lord. I can't purify my wife. I can't purify my daughters. I can't purify you. You can't purify me. It says purify yourself. Purify yourself. If you have hope in him, purify yourself. And it says, just as he is what? Pure. Okay, so this is, this is number two. We're looking for him. We're watching for him. But we're not just looking for him just with our eyes. We're looking for him with our actions. Amen? We're looking for him in a spirit of denying ourselves, of not living the life of ungodliness not living the life of the world's lusts amen and and i'm I'm not going to have you go there right now but just listen in second timothy he mentions that we have to uh, that there'll come a time where people will not endure sound doctrine these kinds of messages are called doctrine they're things that we stand upon and we don't, we don't twist it, we don't change it, we don't manipulate it. It's God's word and it says there'll come a time when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires because they have itching ears they will heap up for themselves teachers. And we've talked about that so many times how people will find the place that they can find the teaching that sits, suits and fits their life. Amen? How many know that's the case today? You can find a place that will teach you what you want to hear. But the true church of Jesus Christ around the world, everywhere around the world, is the church who's not looking for what they want to hear. They're looking for what Jesus' words say. Amen? They're not looking for what they want to know. They're looking for what God says. And they're not trying to line up God to their life. They're lining up their life to God. Like I said Sunday morning, I'm not trying to get God to revolve around my life. I'm trying to get my life to revolve around God. And when I do that, I'm walking in the will of God. I'm walking in the peace of God. I'm walking in the pureness of God. And we know the verse, when we do make a mistake, because I don't know if anybody's done that lately. When we do make a mistake, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to what? Forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. Number three. So we're looking. We're denying ungodliness. And number three is we speak. We exhort and we rebuke. This goes back to Titus chapter two, if you still have it open. We read that in that verse. We speak, we we rebuke, and we exhort. That's what what the, the word told us to do, okay? Look at that again right there in verse 15. Speak these things. What things? The return of Jesus Christ. Speak these things, what things? Denying ungodliness. Speak these things, what things? That we should live soberly and righteously. So what the world says, you're judging me, and the Bible says we're speaking these things. Let me say that again. The world says you're judging me, and the, the Bible says we're speaking what people should do. So let them say what they want to say. Like the Bible says, let the heathen rage. We need to speak what the Bible says. 
And we need to speak the truth to this lost and dying world. And listen, don't get caught up in if they're going to believe you or not. That's not your job to make them believe. It's your job to tell them. Noah couldn't make those people believe. He just told them. And then he was able to stand before God and say, God, I told them. And God said, high five. Yes, you did. It's not your fault they didn't listen. I gave them the opportunity. That's what we got to remember. It's our job to what? Speak it. It's our job to post it. It's our job to pray it. It's our job to tell people, look, the Bible says this is sin. If they ask you, you say, hey, what about this? The Bible says this is sin. Church, if you're going to live for God, you got to be able to be able to not be afraid to tell people what sin is. Amen. Not to be afraid to say this is what the Bible says. Amen. Too many people shy away from those things and don't understand God can protect his own word. Too many pastors and evangelists get, get interviewed and they're too afraid to say what the person's asking them to say, which is God's word says. You're not making an opinion. You're saying what God said. God wrote this thousands of years ago. He doesn't need our defense. He needs the message. God didn't call us to defend his word. He called us to preach it. God didn't call us to change people. He called us to preach the word. To speak the word. To re- Look what that says. I want you to see that verse 15. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke. Sometimes people need exhorting. Sometimes people need rebuking. Sometimes people need both. The Holy Spirit leads us to do which one. Sometimes it's exhortation. It's come on. Come on, guys. Stay alive. Stay alert. Come on. Don't, don't go do that. Don't, don't fall into that sin. I, I see where you're going. I see the problem. I see, I see where you're heading. I, and, and, you, and you exhort them. And then sometimes they're already in it. And you need to rebuke them. And you see, this sin you're living in is going to send you to hell. This sin you're living in is not going to keep you ready for the return of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's called a rebuke. That's through the word of God. And if they say, you're judging me, say, no, I'm not. And if you see something in my life, you can tell them that's not lined up with the word. You tell me too. We're trying to line our, our lives up with the word of God. When they say don't judge me, it's, it, we're not, it's, that's like trying to say, someone saying, don't tell me the train's coming. Don't tell me. If you see a train coming at me, don't tell me. I don't want to know. I just want to get hit. It's our job to tell them the train's coming. Jesus is coming back. Speak, exhort, and rebuke. And number four. Oh, and by the way, on number three, it says, with all authority. When we really understand and believe that we're children of God, we say that in authority. Okay, but here's the key. I I was going to move on, but let me say one more thing. You can't walk in the authority you don't live in. Okay? So if I'm living in in fornication, for example, and I'm I'm not not married, or let's say I am married and I'm living in adultery. And I'm telling somebody, hey, you shouldn't be committing adultery. I have zero authority to be telling them that. I'm living it. So we have to understand that we have authority in Christ, but our life has to line up with it. How many understand that? And so, so I need to be able to be living a life of denying ungodliness so that when I speak to someone's life, I have authority. Amen? How many, how many want that authority? So we look at all the areas of our life. So it says, with all authority, and in these last days, church, God's calling us to be that, that Noah. God's calling us to tell the world, let them shake their fists at us now instead of later. 
I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I, was, I grew up all the time in church learning that one day they're going to come by me and shake their fists at me and tell me, I wish you'd have told me. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but it worked for me because I don't want it to happen. I don't know if that's going to work. I don't know if that's going to happen. I, don't know if we're, I know we're going to be judges. I know we're going to see a lot of what goes on, but I don't want anybody to come by me and tell me, why didn't you tell me? I'd rather have them shake their fist at me now. Say, you told me. I didn't listen. Number four, last one. Maybe the most important one for us. If you're, if you're doing the first three, here's the most important one. If you're looking and you're living a life of denying ungodliness and you're speaking that word and you're telling people Jesus is coming and get saved and get in the boat and you're doing all those things, here's the most important one because you can be doing all three of those and miss this one. Let no man despise you. What does that mean? That means let no one take your crown. Let nobody take away what you're trying to do for the Lord. This is where the naysayers and the doubters and the people who say it's never going to happen come in and we begin to affect our faith and we think, man, is he really going to come back? I've heard so many people say he's not going to come back and you begin to doubt. Don't doubt. Believe. Believe that he is going to do what he said he's going to do. Amen. And here's, here's what happens when we do. Go back to 2 Timothy. Or sorry, go to 2 Timothy. Chapter 2. And, and as you're getting there, let me read something to you while you're getting there. We're, we're right there, so it shouldn't take long. I'm going to read something in, in a verse in a second, but I want to finish with this thought. I didn't have you read Titus 3, but in Titus 3, just listen. Stay in 2 Timothy and listen to this. Do two things at once. He says, with, when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. That's when Jesus came down and died for us. It says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. This is important. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. We talked about that Sunday. We need to be refilled all the time. We need, we, you say, I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, 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 I have a prayer language. I, 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 no, yeah, but you need to keep being refilled. You need to keep being renewed in the Spirit. You need to keep, regeneration means that you're constantly and continually cleaning your life out. Okay, constantly. You don't clean your bathroom once. You don't wash clothes once. You don't brush your teeth once. Can somebody say Amen. You, regeneration means you continue to clean. You keep clean. You keep cleaning. You keep cleaning your heart. You keep getting refilled. You keep getting filled up. And that comes from the Greek when it talks about in the Strong's, a, again it says, again, again, again. Oh, he's preaching a message on the Spirit again. Oh, he's preaching a message on the rapture again, 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 again. Renewing our faith over and over again. He's coming soon. He's coming soon. Amen. I tell you, tell your spouse, you love them again and again, not once. Amen. Renovation. This is what it means. Renovation, restoration, transformation. Shouldn't we be being transformed and renewed every day? Or should that just be a one-time thing? It's every day. How many know we still got stuff we're getting out? We're still getting stuff out. We're not where we want to be, but we're not where we used to be either. We're regenerating every day. And then it says, and having a change of heart and life. Having a change of heart and life. And it stresses the work of the Holy Spirit in transforming the life. So we'll close with this, 2 Timothy chapter 4.
Sorry, yeah, chapter 4, verse 8. Give me an amen if you're there. Here's why we let nobody despise us. Finally, there is laid up, and actually Paul says right before that, the famous verse, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. There's five crowns in the Bible. This one is called the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Watch this. And not only to me, but to also to all who have what? Loved his appearing. Look at that. The glorious appearing of the great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So he says that if I will be looking, I'll be denying ungodliness. I'll be speaking the truth. If I'm doing those things and, I'm, and I love his appearing and I'm watching for him and I, and I get raptured by him and I get taken up, there's a crown of righteousness for me for that. Meaning that I'm going to be rewarded because I was watching. I'm going to be rewarded because I was looking for his appearing. I'm not going to be caught off guard. There's a crown for that. A special crown for being ready. Musicians, you can come tonight. There's a laid up for me, a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all. How many know all? is everybody who loves his appearing. There's not just one of us in here tonight that loves his appearing. There's not just two of us. We could all love his appearing. We could all be looking for his return. Amen? We could all be watching and waiting. And how many just want, how many just want it happens, just want to be like, yeah, I was ready. I don't want to be caught off guard. So, so don't ever get mad at me for preaching about his return too much. You'll thank me one day when it happens that maybe just maybe it happened tomorrow and you'll say, thank God he preached that tonight. Amen. It's not good. I'm telling you, the Lord wants me to keep reminding us that we every day that passes, we're one day closer to his return. And don't be that person who falls away. Don't be Demas who loved this world. There's things that attract us. If he says deny ungodliness, it means because ungodliness is calling us. Denying worldly lust, it's because lusts are calling us. It's a real battle. It's a daily thing. And I've got to say every day, Lord, no. No, I don't want that. It's, I'm, it's not worth it. That moment of pleasure, that situation is not worth me missing Jesus. Amen. So we, we keep oil in our lamps. Keep our hearts right, as 1 John said there, that we would purify ourselves. Be like him. We'll be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. When I'm praying, when I'm alone with God, he's working on me. I'm, 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 I'm on my knees, I'm sitting down, I'm walking around, I'm talking to him, and he's gently in love saying, deal with this, deal with this. I mean, you know, that the Bible says his kindness leads us to repentance. His love and his mercy draws us to say, God, I don't want to do that. 
You say, God, I want to stay right. I want to stay ready. I want to be, I want to, I don't want to be caught off guard. I want to get a crown. You know what that could mean? That could mean that there are people around the world who believe in Jesus Christ, have never been preached the rapture of the church, and their pastor will have to answer to God for that. But they're going to go because they love Jesus Christ and they're saved. But they're not going to get a crown for watching. How many see that? He said there's a crown of righteousness for those who love his appearing. It didn't just say they were ready for his appearing. It said they loved his appearing. When you love something, you do it a lot. You're with it a lot. You're in it a lot. So if you love his appearing, you're thinking about his appearing a lot. It means it's a part of your everyday And when this temptation comes to do something that you shouldn't do, the Holy Spirit reminds you, don't do that. That will keep you from being ready and watching and looking for my return. Don't do that. Holy Spirit says, don't do that. Let's pray tonight. Four ways to keep the blessed hope, and listen to what I said, within us. Burning in us like fire. 